Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're looking at endurance running and immune system. We're discussing how you may adapt your nutrition and training plan to promote great health and avoid infection and injury. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back. I'm Karen and I'm here once again with Aileen. And as always, we're going to share a little something personal about our running and nutrition before we start. So Aileen, can you tell us a bit about a race where you had a pre-race nutrition challenge? Have you had any of those? Yeah, well, the one that really springs to mind, Karen, was um, a half marathon that I did in Iceland in Reykjavik, which was a few years ago now, maybe five or six years ago. Um, and it was the midnight sun run. So it's run um, sort of late June when, um, you know, it's the daylight is more or less 24 hours in Reykjavik. And so the, the half marathon starts about 10 o'clock at night. So it was the timings really that was challenging. Um, so trying to work out what to eat during the day to make sure you digested it correctly, uh, but still had enough energy in the tank was quite challenging. Uh, and it all felt very weird, I have to say. Um, it was very, a very surreal experience. Um, but we did manage to find a nice healthy food cafe and, and I think from recollection, I probably had some salmon and sweet potato or something like that as my pre-race meal. Um, so it was all all right in the end, but it just felt a bit strange, I have to say. What wow. about you, Karen? Yeah, just before we move on to me, Aileen, I just wanted to ask if you if you got the chance to practice any of that during training, because it sounds as though it might be a co- bit tricky oh, to practice that. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. I, no, I I didn't even consider it, to be honest. Uh, back in those days, I, you know, it was just a case of turning up and doing something. Um, so I, I really didn't take, uh, I mean, I took my nutrition seriously, but I didn't really understand why, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so I ate healthily, but I, that was about mm. it. And uh, yeah. and the other funny thing doing it, you know, I'm, I'm used to doing races where there's a lot of people and there was only actually about 150 people in this race. And it was out in the countryside and I was worried that I was going to get lost and I wouldn't be able to speak Icelandic and I'd never find my way back. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my biggest concern, to be quite honest. <laughs> yes, yes. I yeah, know, I could imagine that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so you were asking about me, Aileen, if I've had any tricky moments um, yeah. regard on nutritional challenges. I think the one that stands out for me was um, at the Edinburgh um, Marathon. You know, I'd, I'd had my breakfast, my usual breakfast, and then headed off to the start line. And I think it was probably about 15 minutes before the race was due to start. And I started to feel just ever so slightly hungry. And that kind of put me into a dilemma because I thought, okay, do I eat something? But I was a bit worried in case it started off, I set off any digestive issues for me during the race. Um, but then I thought, if I start the race feeling hungry, 
I knew that that wasn't a great way to start, but I just wasn't sure what to do. So it was a real dilemma, I have to say, and I dithered a bit. Um, but in the end, I decided not to eat because I was so worried I would either be sick or I'd need to go to the loo or something like that. But I have to say it was a huge mistake. Um, I managed to complete the race and did an okay time in the race. But, oh, my goodness, I was so ill afterwards. You know, I had the nausea, the vomiting, the headaches, the cold sweats, you know, all those symptoms that we wore and our listeners against. I was experiencing them. And, but I have to say it will never happened once. Um, I never let that happen again. And if I feel at all hungry before I start a race, I always eat something. I always make sure I have something with me mm. just in case I, I am put in that position again. So, oh, I sounds absolutely yeah. horrendous, Karen. I do feel yes. yes, I had to go to bed to lie down for quite a few hours oh. afterwards. So, uh, yes, yes. What but anyway, I, I recovered. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. moving swiftly on to our topic of, t- of today. So we're going to be talking about endurance running and the um, immune system. And I think it's fair to say that the immune system is vital for everyone um, and at all times. And, and especially this year, you know, during the COVID-19 pandem- pandemic, the immune system, it's been it's been something that's been talked about by everybody. Um, and, and as runners, we always have that vested interest in keeping in, in peak health anyway, um, so that we can run and race all the year round. And I think particularly in these times, we're really keen to make sure that we do everything that we can to protect against possible infections, you know, be it COVID, but any infection, because as runners, we we do tend to be at, a, at an increased risk of developing them, which I'm sure we're going to be speaking about. Now, the immune system is a huge subject, as we know, Aileen. So mm-hmm. today we're going to focus on on three aspects of it. So looking at the impact of endurance running on our immune system, just kind of looking at the female factors as we always do um, and and which ones we need to consider for our immune health. And then sort of finally looking at how you miss it or everybody could support their immune systems nutritionally. Mm. So, Aileen, thinking about that first part of it, the impact of endurance running on our immune system, there are different schools of thought around whether endurance running does actually support it or does it suppress the immune system. What what do you know about this? Yeah, you're right, Karen, that there is quite a lot of uh, research and probably a lot of people have heard it quoted in the media um, in recent weeks that moderate and consistent exercise promotes the immune system. So we've all been encouraged to get out there every day, and that's really good for the immune system. And So that would be considered for all types of exercise, not just running, so walking, cycling, lots of other things. Um, so the view is that in the short term, exercise can help the immune system find and deal with pathogens. And in the longer term, regular exercise slows down the changes in the immune system and and it's thought that the immune system slows down with aging so um, if we're able to support the immune system as we age we're going to be reducing the risk of infections so so the good news is that anyone and everyone who's created a daily exercise habit during the lockdown period has, has done really well and obviously as runners you know we're already having a regular training routine so the regular consistent exercise is already a win for us. Um, so that's all very positive. Um, but there is um, some research that suggests that longer, harder endurance runs may lead the immune system to being suppressed, uh, which means that we're more likely to develop infections and illness. So that's the, the two sides of the, the school of thought. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. So that moderate um, and consistent exercise is going to really support us as hopefully it's been supporting many people through this this period of coronavirus um, this year. But what you're saying is that the longer, hardened, harder endurance runs are the ones that might suppress the immune system. So, so thinking about those distances, what would you consider to be a long, harder endurance run? Well, I've, I've been reading some research um, from an American professor, uh, Professor David Neiman, and he's a really interesting researcher. And he dedicated he's dedicated his career 
to research in the links between exercise and immunity. So he's got some fascinating um, research to read. And uh, he's also a marathon runner. I think I can't remember how many he's done, but it's like more than 50. So he's, he's, wow. he's quite experienced, shall we say. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that he noticed, like this is going back a number of years ago, he noticed that his um, students who were running marathons often got colds and infections after a marathon race. And that was one of the things that compelled him to research why was this the case. And what he discovered was that uh, long effort exercise like marathons and ultra marathons um, or ultra runs can lower your resistance for 72, up to 72 hours after um, a marathon. So when you've done that long race or long ultra run, you're more susceptible to increased colds and respiratory illnesses for um, a week or two after the, an event. And this is linking into what was happening with his students. And he also suggests that if you've got a high exercise volume and intensity, then that also um, increases the risk factors of um, infection. Um, so in one of his studies, he, he concluded that for runners completing more than 60 miles a week, they had, or more than that, that they would have a double the um, chance of having a post-marathon infection than those runners who trained under 20 miles a week. Um, so that's quite a significant um, finding, I think. Um, and he found that... Um, marathon finishers had six times more infections and illnesses than a control group of non-runners. Um, so I think what we're really deducing from all of that is that the, in this category of endurance running, um, it's likely that you may suppress your immunity and that may leave a runner more susceptible to infections and illnesses. It doesn't mean that you will always get them, but there's a higher risk that you might get an infection or illness after um, a race, or maybe if you're just pounding the miles out week in and week out, you're more likely to uh, suffer from infections. Yeah, gosh, that's really interesting, Aileen, and quite a big difference, isn't it? So, so for runners completing over sixty miles a week, it's going to be double the the risk than those training under twenty miles a week. And I'm just thinking of the long distance runners that, that we know ourselves and, um, there's lots of people out there. That sort of less than 20 miles a week is going to be a huge problem because if you're training for a marathon or an ultra, you need the, the, the time on your feet. You need to be doing those long distances every week. So mm. do you have any suggestions to combat that, Aileen? Oh, well, they're not really my suggestions, but <laughs> Professor Neiman, he suggests. Yes. An approach. Uh, so what he suggests, and this is his um, suggestion that you could adapt your training to minimize the risk. So what he suggests is something called the 60-60-60 approach, which means you should run less than 60 miles a week at a low intensity of 60% of maximum VO2. And he says that that corresponds to running at a 75% of maximum heart rate, uh, which would be a sort of an easier thing for us to uh, work out if we wanted to do it. And and he also suggests that the third aspect of the 60 is that your training uh, runs or your workouts should be less than 60 minutes at a time. Um, and he uses the word mostly. So he's like mostly running less than 60 miles a week, mostly running at a low intensity, mostly less than 60 minutes at a time. So my interpretation of that is it's really up to the runner to manage the training to support their health. Um, and as you say, that would be quite challenging, um, I think, for runners. So, you know, what do you think of that approach, Karen? Yeah, I, I really like the idea. It's, a, it's, a, it's an easy concept to think about, isn't it? That 60-60-60. It's got quite a ring to it. I like that. But I'm, I'm not sure. I think the running less than 60 miles per week at less than 60% VO2 max is probably something I, I do do um, in my training anyway. But sort of completing runs 
over 60 minutes is very much part of my plan being a distance runner. You know, I need to have that time on my feet. I need to be putting in quite a lot of runs that are going to be well over um, 60 minutes. Um, but but I have to say, I, I, I you know, clearly there are technical runs in, in my training plan as well. And they're generally performed in less than 60 minutes. So I think it would be it would be really good there. But keeping it consistent, um, I think I would find quite hard. Um, but I really like the idea of it. And like you said, he, Neiman is kind of saying it's most of the runs most of the time. So, yeah, yeah, potentially mm. there is a place for it, definitely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand your viewpoint, Karen, and I feel that it's just useful because it gives us another approach to supporting our immune system and it might be something that you you would do you know maybe if you weren't feeling very well it might be like okay that that's the week that I adapt my training to manage it in that way um, but I think more than anything it, it gives us more reasons to utilize any other strategies like nutrition and rest to support our overall immune health um, so that the training isn't having an impact and a detrimental effect on our immune health. So I think it's mm. it's interesting, but maybe not a totally practical approach. Um, and I think it's up to the individual to to manage it. Um, so one of the other approaches that I read about was um, using intermittent running during training. So that's like again following a sort of a walk run approach. So ten minutes hard, ten minutes easy, and apparently this also helps reduce the lower Im immunity threat. Um, so again, this might be possible in some training sessions, but and maybe beginners, and as you said, during the technical runs, that might be a good way of doing it. Um, so just another, another thing to think about and to utilize if you need to. Yeah, I think I think some of these are, are really great approaches for for people to to consider, and I think especially for people who are susceptible to infection, because I think there are some runners out there that are more susceptible to infections than others. So these would be really great um, um, approaches for them to consider to see if it does make a difference. So, so Ailey, we've spoken a lot about um, different approaches um, to support the immune system. But before we go further on, could you give us a quick overview of how the immune system functions and what may happen when the immune system is suppressed? Okay, that's a big question. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll have to be really simplistic here. And the immune system, as we all know, is really, really complex. Um, but, and I'm sure again, everybody will have read loads of things in the media. Um, so everybody's probably going to be really quite educated about the immune system now. Um, but just as a quick overview. So we, the immune system has a, a main role, which is to help us heal from illness and injury and protect us against, um, foreign agents. And that might include that viruses and bacteria. And um, so, the important thing is to know that there's two parts of the immune system. So there's the innate system and the adaptive system. And the innate system is our first line of defense. And it's basically on standby and it helps us fight off any infection or illness, regardless of what it is. And the adaptive system is the side of the immune system that will be activated if the innate system isn't able to fight off that initial infection or the if it's, if it's an invader that the immune system doesn't recognize. Um, and then the other sort of important thing um, to think about is that the immune system should be balanced. So it shouldn't be over or underactive. And, and often you read things about, um, you know, what you can do to boost your immune system. But actually, what we're really trying to do is balance our immune system at all times. Uh, and to think uh, um, another aspect that might be of interest to people is to think of the immune system as having um, an, an opportunity to either act in an inflammatory or um, an anti-inflammatory way, depending on what is appropriate. So uh, it will, the immune system will uh, use anti-inflammatory actions or inflammatory actions, depending on what it needs to do to balance um, the immune system. 
So as I said, it's very, it's a very intricate and complex system and it uses lots of different specialist cells and, and mechanisms uh, to deal with a whole host of health issues. So there's lots of different things that the immune system does. Um, but like all the body systems, uh, the immune system and the cells are really reliant on optimal nutrition. Um, so optimal supplies of the macronutrients, the protein, carbohydrate and fats, and also micronutrients, um, you know, the vitamins and minerals. So potentially if you've got a low nutrient status or you're undernourished, um, then the immune system might not function at its best. So that's why, you know, you need to think about everything holistically. So we've talked about the impact of exercise on your immune system, but you can also think about what you can do from a nutrient point of view to support your immune system. Wow. Like you say, Alina, it's really complex, isn't it? And I think you've managed to to um, describe it in quite a succinct way. But like you say, really, it's about balance. It's about making sure that um, it's it's not overstimulated or understimulated and sort of using nutrition as a way of supporting this and making sure that your nutrition is optimal to keep to keep the immune system in balance. So just thinking about runners here, Aileen, what are the potential risks to a runner if their immune system is suboptimal? Well, I think as as we've already mentioned through Professor Neiman's research, um, there is a potential that the immune system may be suppressed just by the amount of endurance running we're doing, and that may lead us to have infections uh, and I think many runners will identify with the fact that they're prone to these upper respiratory infections, um, which are horrible at any time of year. But I think especially at the moment, we really need to be vigilant regarding COVID. Um, you know, so as we know that that affects the upper respiratory system. So we have to be really conscious of protecting our immune system at the moment. Um and also, I think the other thing as a runner, we need to protect against our injuries and a compromised immune system might make us more susceptible to injury and recovery. And it may take us longer than normal to heal if we haven't got a, a good immune system operating well. Um, and it was interesting, uh, you know, just recently, just last week, I was listening to a podcast interview and uh, it was by um, a friend of mine David Charlton and he's a sports psychologist and he was interviewing um, a, an athlete uh, Steve Judge and he's a world champion para tri triathlete uh, and he's got an amazing story to share with an amazing life story and he talks a lot about all the adversities he's faced in life and, and how he became um, an athlete and how he, you know, aspired to, you know, reach the heights that he did. And one of the things that really stood out to me was he talked about doing anything that he could to get him to the start line. And, and the reason he was talking about that was that he'd noticed that a lot of his competitors were um, experiencing injuries and they weren't able to do every single competition and race that was out there. So he talked about having a quest to ensure that he avoided um, injury and he felt that really gave him the edge over his competitors and so he just did everything that he could um, to avoid that including paying attention to his nutrition so I just thought I, it was it was really fascinating to hear him say mm. that and it just really reminded me how much you know not that I need reminding but it reminded me that nutrition is really important um, for our performance and, uh, you know, as an athlete or as a recreational athlete, it's something that we really need to remember to take that into account. Um, so if anybody's interested, uh, I'd really recommend, uh, if you're interested in listening into that story, check out a podcast called Demystifying Mental Toughness and it's episode two. Um, so it's an interesting listen and I'm sure, um, David will have lots of other really interesting um, competitors uh, to uh, listen to in future episodes too. So, um, so just to sort of move on, Karen, I mean, I know that you've um, experienced some injuries through accidents as I have uh, in recent years. 
And I just wondered if you would be able to share with everybody what you've done to support your immune system so that you recovered well. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. But just before I do that, I just think your story there is just really, really interesting, you know, about Steve Judge. And I think it just brings home how powerful nutrition can be as part of the overall strategy for performance. Nutrition can be quite powerful, can't it? Mm, it can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Magic. And I, it, it is, it, it worked, you know, it worked really well for me. You've just asked me about um, any, any injuries I've had. And I, you know, I had um, a really nasty ankle injury just um, at the new year, actually. And I decided I was going to do everything I could to, to recover from it quickly and efficiently um, because I was just so frustrated that I couldn't run for a period of time. So I started to pay really particular attention to my protein intake to support that soft tissue repair, help reduce the the, the inflammation as quickly as I could. And the other thing I did was increase my intake of vitamin C, which is is well known. I think most people are aware that it's, it's really good for supporting the immune system. And the other thing I did was introduced um, a vegan omega-3 um, supplement alongside vitamin D, because again, both of those are, are are known to be really supportive for the immune system by by um, their anti-inflammatory properties. So I was trying to give my immune system as the best helping hand that I could. And the other thing I I used was um, some natural healing oils. There's a, a really good one by DoTerra called Deep Blue, and I just used to massage that into um, into the area that was sore and inflamed. And I just found that the combination of all of those, plus um, recovery exercise and healing exercises as well, really supported me through 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 that horrible horrible time. Yeah, it was horrible. And I have to say, Karen, your bounce back was amazing. If anybody saw the photographs of Karen's ankle, you would agree with me. Um, so, and I, th I think, you know, the nutrition obviously was very important, but I think the diligence that you paid to the nutrition and the sports therapy. Um, and I, I remember at the time when it happened to you, you, you were aiming, I think it was the Paris marathon that you were do, aiming to mm -hmm. do in March, which in the end obviously didn't happen because of covid but you know it, that was the the goal you weren't going to allow that not to happen um so Absolutely. yeah it was, it was uh it's really it, i think it just gives everybody hope that you can come back from these you know things which which feel pretty devastating at the time um yeah. but you, and you, i think it's I determined you, sorry karen no carry on nearly yeah I, I was just really thinking that it, it's um you know, when we can't do something, it's all about thinking, well, what can I do in these situations? Well, maybe I can't run, but I can do X, Y, and Z, and that's going to get me moving forward. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's exactly how I felt, Aileen. And it was just about just being consistent as well. We speak about this all the time is just being consistent with with the whatever you've put in place. And that's exactly what I did. And sheer determination that I wasn't going to be out of running for for any length of time. So um, so anyway, Aileen, we digress slightly. So um, just sort of moving on and um, just rounding up what you've just said. And I think in a, in a nutshell, what you are saying is that moderate exercise um, could support the immune system. However, some of the endurance sports, including running, are known to impair the um, the immune function in some individuals. And I think that you you mentioned about the upper respiratory tract infections, and they are what that is one that is very well known um, in the running world, and people do tend to be susceptible to it. But but really by ensuring we eat a diet that supports the immune function that could really minimize the effects of of that endurance training so just to move on now to that second part of of today's topic looking at the female factors we need to consider for the immune system Aileen can you give us some insights into what the potential female factors would be here 
Mm. Well, I don't, as far as I'm aware, uh, I don't believe that the immune system works operates differently for men or women. Um, But one of the things I think it is worth bearing in mind is that 80% of all people with autoimmune conditions are female, which I think is quite significant. And Mm. there are are a number of theories why this might be the case. Uh, One of them is that females are genetically predisposed predisposed to autoimmune conditions. And another is that um, those types of conditions are hormonally driven by estrogen and possibly downregulated by testosterone. So that would be um, another reason that maybe women sort of um, are more susceptible to these autoimmune conditions. Yeah. And just to sort of clarify for people in case they don't know what um, autoimmune conditions are. So they are um, conditions where the immune system fails to tolerate the body's own cells or organs and it starts to attack its itself, sort of the, the organs or individual cells so that they, they don't um, function in a normal way. And some of the, the common um, autoimmune conditions that you may have heard of um, are the likes of rheumatoid arthritis, um, intestinal bowel disease, sort of Crohn's and um, ulcerative colitis are two really well-known ones. Hashimoto's, which attacks the um, the uh, thyroid glands, and then grave disease, grave disease, which um, um, is is another really common, and also MS as well, multiple sclerosis, and type one diabetes. There's some others. So just so to give you an idea of what some of the conditions that are termed as autoimmune. So, so Aileen, is there anything we can do to prevent autoimmune conditions occurring? Well, that's a bit of a difficult one because, um, you know, Karen, we're not medics, so um, I'm not mm. sure that we can prevent an autoimmune condition occurring. Uh, but what I could share um, is that um, there are commonly known triggers in autoimmune conditions. Uh, um, some of them are stress, um, viral or bacterial infections, um, something called intestinal intestinal impermeability. So that the uh, common name for that would be leaky gut. Um, so there's a, when you read research papers, you will see that these stre- these sort of triggers are often mentioned. Um, so I believe that if individuals manage their stress load, protect against infections, which is what we're talking about with the immune system, and promote and promote digestive health, they might reduce their risk of developing an autoimmune condition. Um, and I think the other thing that um, to bear in mind is that often people who have developed one autoimmune condition often develop more than one. Um, so they get into a situation where they have multi-autoimmune conditions. And, and I've noticed that with my clinical clients. I've worked quite a lot with um, clients with autoimmune conditions, and they rarely come with one. Uh, they often come with two or more. Um, so it is it is crucial really to um, optimize your immune system and, and look at this these other triggers as well and, and minimize your exposure to them. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It is about optimising um, our nutrition as much as we can to help sort of minimise the risk of getting an autoimmune um, condition in the first place. And like you say, once um, we uh, you develop one, people are more susceptible to developing others. So just to kind of round up that, that little section before we move on, um, what you're saying is that it, the immune system works in a similar way in males and females. However, it does appear that women are more susceptible to certain immune-related conditions, which may be linked to um, to estrogen levels. Um, so as a result of that, I think it is really important that we do all we can to support our immune systems. So what can we do to support our immune systems? Well, we're going to speak about that in a minute. However, um, before that, we're just going to take a quick break for Aileen to um, tell you a little bit about what we do outside of the podcast. Yes, yeah, so as, as ever, we're taking a, a little short advert break um, just to tell you about what Karen and I do in Runner's Health Hub 
And that's where we offer a range of services to help you as a runner be fitter, faster and stronger. Uh, we'd love you to take a look at the Runner's Nutrition Zone, which hosts an online program. And in that online program, there are lots of short videos, recipes and downloads. And you also get invitations um, to join live training sessions with us. And that will help you put um, easy nutrition into practice. So if, you, if you'd like to take a look at that, you can find all the details at runnershealthhub.com. So that's runnershealthhub.com. Um, we'd love to see you there. And if you've got any questions about the program and you'd like to know more, uh, by all means, just drop us a, an email or a direct message us and we'd be happy to help. Thanks, Celine. So now let's move on and just think about the immune system and how we can support it nutritionally. Um, can you sort of maybe tell us a little bit about um, nutrition and how to support our immune systems for everyday health, but also as a runner? Yes, of course. Uh, um, what we said earlier was that um, the immune system and all the immune cells need optimal nutrition. And we said that they, they need um, all of the macronutrients and a wide variety of micronutrients to function best. So we, we talk a lot about eating the rainbow. So lots of different colors of vegetables and fruit and following a healthy plate balance um, will be a really great starting point, not just for everyday health, but also for runners. Um, and if anybody's interested in uh, knowing more about that, you can listen into episode 11, uh, which is Nutrition basic, Basics for All Runners. And we also um, focus greatly on this in the, uh, the online program that we mentioned earlier. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be the broad um, answer. Um, so, Karen, can I just um, bring you into this and ask you, um, you know, one of the micronutrients that's really important for immune health is vitamin D. Um, so what could you tell everybody about vitamin D, please? Yeah, so vitamin D is probably everybody knows it's it's the sunshine vitamin because we produce it um in in the this under the skin from or in the body from the sunlight. So and and vitamin D is known to enhance the function of of immune cells and um and it's interesting that deficiency is common in many of the autoimmune conditions that we were speaking about earlier, Aileen. So, um, and we do talk about vitamin D in more depth, actually, in episode nine about the key vitamins and minerals for a runner. So if you wanted to know a bit more about vitamin D and how it works in the body, um, it might be worth it sort of just listening to that episode nine. And also with vitamin D, it's, it's a, it's a really easy one to test for, um, and, and correct. And you can do the test that you get. You can do at home just with the finger prick test and then send it away. And then sort of, um, the, the, the introducing the supplements, you can sort of manage and correct that deficiency really easily. And another of my favorite nutrients, um, strategies or categories for the immune system are the polyphenols, which um, is a really big category of nutrients that are mostly found in plant foods. Um, and one of the subcategories of, of the polyphenols is one called anthocyanidins. Now, it's not an easy word to say that, actually, but um, and they are they are found um, mainly in fruits, principally the, the blue, the purple, the red and the orange fruits. Now, and there's been numbers of, of studies um, into these foods that, which suggest that by eating them or supplementing them, um, they can have a really positive effect on the immune system. Um, and it's thought that uh, um, this may be due to their, um, by, due to them reducing the pro-inflammatory effects of, um, of any, any inflammation in the body. So those are my two favorites, Aileen. What about, what about you? What nutrients would you highlight as being important for the immune system? Yeah, well, my, my favorite, um, would be beta glucans. And they're probably not one that 
people maybe think about. Um, they might not even know about them, uh, but I think they do a pretty amazing job. Um, so they're um, very potent and they have uh, an effect on modulating both sides of the immune system, the innate and the adaptive immunity. Um, and you find them uh, predominantly in oats, uh, barley, uh, baker's yeast, whole grains and mushrooms. Um, particularly the sort of medicinal type of mushrooms, uh, things like reishi, maitake and uh, shiitake mushrooms. Um, so you can include all of these foods in your food plan. Um, but often, um, if I'm concerned about immune health with a client, I'll suggest a supplement that contains beta-glucans. Um, so beta-glucans are, are basically a natural form of soluble dietary fiber. Um, and um, they, you know, really have this potent effect. So there's different types of beta-glucans. Um, and the ones that are particularly helpful uh, for the immune system are the ones that are found in the baker's yeast. So you might see on, um, like if you, if you look at a pack of porridge oats, it'll say it contains beta-glucans. But those type of beta-glucans are better for helping maintain cholesterol levels rather than promoting the immune system. So it's important to distinguish. Um, and the other thing that I would use uh, often with clients are um, specific medicinal mushrooms depending on their condition. And there's loads and loads of research on medicinal mushrooms. So people always, when I say medicinal mushrooms, they always think, oh, that's a bit woo-woo. But actually, they are uh, very, very well researched and um, there's lots of research into their effectiveness. So that that's um, my favorite, really, when I'm thinking about immune health. Yeah, great, Aileen. And, and as everybody can hear, there are so many different powerful nutrients out there that, you know, if all used together, can really support the immune system. And I know, Aileen, that there's also been some research into carbohydrates and the immune system. Can you enlighten us a bit more about that research? Yes, yeah, and that's really it's really interesting. And I think as runners, we'll all like to know about this because carbohydrate is one of those um, nutrients or macronutrients that sometimes people don't want to have. And so I always think it's a good one to remind ourselves that it does lots of different things. So again, this is uh, research by uh, Professor Neiman and um, basically what he's explaining to us in, in the research paper is um, that we all know that we've got glycogen in our, our muscles and, and our liver and we, and we concentrate on that, but we've probably not given consideration to the fact that there are gly glycogen reserves in our cells. So if we are glycogen deplete, you know, during a long training run or a race, it's not only going to affect our energy and recovery, but it's also going to affect our immune cell performance. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting insight. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms before. Um, so the, the way to counteract this is to consume carbohydrate during runs. Um, which we're already encouraging people to do. And, and if anybody's been following us or they're, they're following that line of research, they'll, they'll already be timing their carbohydrates um, throughout their runs. So having quick-release carbohydrates at the timed intervals um, that are recommended will be supporting your immune cells. So I think that's just another great reason to fuel correctly um, and think about the wider uh, impacts of uh, carbohydrate as a nutrient. Yeah, that's really interesting um, information. Like you say, thinking about carbohydrate in a, in a completely different way to, to how we normally discuss it. Mm. Um, what I would just like to add here um, is, a, is about um, antioxidants. Uh, antioxidants, and they're sort of immune supporting nutrients that are again found in uh, mainly in plant foods a bit like the polyphenols um, and um, many distance runners use them uh, in supplement for, form and I just want to sort of put in a word a, a little bit of a word of caution here because because antioxidants are really um, good anti-inflammatory um, um, molecules 
But uh, regarding endurance exercise, we know that it leads to the production of internal oxidants. So the free radicals um, that are produced just from the metabolic processes that are going on during during um, exercise. And they affect the immune system. But our bodies are really good at counteracting this by producing their own antioxidants. So, but what tends to happen is if you then put in a large dose of external antioxidants to try and support these free radicals that are being produced and get rid of those, you could actually blunt the production of the endogenous ones. So the internal ones that the body sort of very cleverly produces, um, in, in, in response to the, to the, to the free radicals that are being produced. So just to say, if anybody is considering taking supplements, antioxidant supplements to support their, their immune systems, just ensure that you take them, I would say a good, at least a good two hours either side of exercise, either before or afterwards. Don't do it immediately um, so that you can give the let the body do the work itself Ooh. first. And then if you need if you need to sort of supplement that, then that's fine. Well, that's a really good tip there, Karen, because again, timing of mm. your nutritional supplements is, is really important to get the best value from them, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was just thinking, Aileen, before we sort of think about rounding up, are there any other quick mentions you'd like to make on, on immune nutrition? Yeah, there is. <laughs> uh, there, there's so many, there are so many nutrients. It's really difficult yeah. to use which are the most um, important. And, uh, you know, there's, there's tons of them, basically. Um, but just a quick shout out, out for zinc. Uh, for selenium, vitamin C you mentioned earlier, and omega-3 fatty acids. So we haven't got time to go through them all, but it was just really I wanted to say those just in case people were thinking, why haven't they mentioned them? Uh, because they are all very well known to support the immune um, system. And the other uh, important concept, I think, to consider is following it what I would call an anti-inflammatory food plan. Um, so again, you know, when I'm working with clients who've got um, autoimmune uh, conditions, um, I'm often encouraging them to follow an anti-inflammatory food plan, which is basically a healthy food plan, uh, and but it's focusing on minimizing the processed foods and focusing on vegetables, fruit, plant foods, oily fish, nuts, seeds, and good quality animal protein. Um, uh, some people might be thinking, in other words, you mean a Mediterranean food plan, and I, maybe I do. Uh, but uh, I think the other thing is taking out the things that are inflammatory and, um, you know, loading up more with the things that are anti-inflammatory. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about with the immune system, and I think it's because it is so topical at the moment, there might be questions that people have got uh, while they're thinking about this. So I just thought it was maybe just a good idea to remind everybody that we do have um, a weekly live Q&A on a Wednesday at 4pm UK time. And it's hosted in our uh, Facebook uh, group. And so if you um, are interested in posting a question, uh, join the group. and um, Or you can drop us a, an email at, at um, hello at runnershealthhub.com. And uh, we can send you the details of joining the group or we'll just answer your question by email. Right. Excellent. So thanks, Aileen. That's, you know, there's been some really great insights from today's episode. And um, and just before I ask you for the key takeaways, as we always do, I just wanted to summarize what you've told us about the nutrition aspect of supporting the immune system. So clearly we're saying vitamin D is up there amongst the top nutrients to consider alongside the, the beta glucans, the polyphenols, and also the carbohydrates that have been um, researched as well. But there are, like you say, there are so many more um, ways of supporting um, the, the, the immune system. And the best way to ensure we're taking in all of them is to ensure that the diet is varied, that it's colourful, that it's full of natural foods, but also with a minimal intake of processed and poor quality foods. So that's kind of just a little bit of an overview of how to think about your, your diet going forward. 
So Aileen, just before we say goodbye, maybe you could give us your key takeaways from from this episode. Yes, of course, Karen. Um, So my key takeaways are um, that to remember that moderate and consistent exercise promotes the immune system. Um, but um, marathons and ultra runs can lower your resistance for um, 24 to 72 hours afterwards. And that, that might lead to um, infections. Uh, you might want to think about trying the 60-60-60 approach, which means running less than 60 miles a week, mostly at low intensity and mostly in workouts that are less than 60 minutes. Um, doing that will help minimize the negative impact of the immune system and of course as we said earlier you know it's up to the runner to adapt that in whatever way suits them because we know running is the most important thing for you um also eat optimally so think about your macronutrients protein carbohydrate and fat and think about some of the key micronutrients that we've mentioned today um consider taking a a vitamin d test see what your vitamin d status is and uh, correct it if it's required um, eat foods containing the polyphenols, the beta-glucans, zinc, selenium, vitamin C, um, other antioxidants and omega-3 fats. Um, and remember to focus on consuming the quick-release carbohydrates at timed intervals during training and races. And that's not only going to help your energy and endurance, but it's also going to support those um, immune cells too. Well, thanks, Aileen. And that's our overview of how a runner may support their immune system. And remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.